0: Reverence for Life Aware of the suffering caused by the destruction of life, I am committed to cultivating an insight of inner being and compassion and learning ways to protect the lives of people, animals, plants, and minerals. I am determined not to kill, not to let others kill, not to support any act of killing in the world, in my thinking, or in my way of life. Seeing that harmful actions arise out of anger, fear, greed, and intolerance, which in turn come from dualistic and discriminative thinking, I will cultivate openness, non-discrimination, and non-attachment to views in order to transform violence, fanaticism, and dogmatism in myself and in the world. Hi, everybody. I've got a little head cold and histamine, so I'm just going to, my head's already cloudy, so I'm just going to read straight from my notes here. This training also goes by the name of Right Livelihood. So I'll start off with a brief description of the path I've followed that has been more ethically influenced than from economic or even personal well being. I've had a concern with the environment since high school. My first job was at a gas station where I had my first significant moral conflict. There was a floor drain in the mechanic garage which had a grease catchment at the bottom. I was told to clean it out by dropping down a bucket with a rope, scoop the grease sludge out, and dump it down the sewer drain out at the curb. I found this unacceptable, made my case, only be to be instructed to throw the sludge into the dumpster. I ended up abiding, seeing my argument was of no interest to the owner. But this was the gateway towards my pursuits of correcting what I felt absurdly wrong. I majored in environmental engineering at Michigan State University, which was a brand new program at the time. My simple mission was to chemically improve the environment. My first job after graduating was with a consulting firm assigned to environmental site assessments and ironically to leaking underground storage tanks primarily at gas stations. I oversaw the cleanup of many sites in the course of just a couple of years. However, on more than one occasion, I had contaminated sites that would pass our lab results due to the nature of the contaminants and the parameters required to be analyzed, so I had to write reports attesting that they were clean. This conflicted with my pursuits, so having already had a plan to move to the mountains after working a few years, I moved on. And This is about the time a river runs through it came out, so it had a big influence on choosing Montana. At the time, the term environmental engineer hadn't quite reached Montana. So a part-time job washing windows turned into partnership and eventually self-employment. While in Bozeman, I also opened a vegetarian cafe slash juice bar sharing the benefits of and well being of this dietary approach. And I haven't been following that in the past, in this festive holiday season. So uh, um I've since continued with the window cleaning because there is a certain appeal to this that goes beyond the fact that I, nor who I work for, impose any negative impact to other people or nor the environment. I found a certain Tao in window cleaning to be an actively engaged, mindful meditation. Consider the sloth. Disregard the stigma of laziness and movement so slow it's almost painful to watch. But the slow grace of true focus, mindfulness, and deliberate efficiency of each movement. Its path is observed with dedicated intention, recognizing all surroundings in this one moment. Up on a ladder, there's only me, a pane of glass, the ladder, and the earth supporting. I perform a continuous balancing act of mindful movements of the body and am entirely in the moment with an awareness of my surroundings beyond my normal day. My mind is clear of judgment, multitasking, and usually free of some story ruminating in my head. I am home. Free of distractions of the mind, my thinking is slowed down, opening the space to allow me to just observe my thoughts. The silenced mind has opened to deeper listening and insight to the details of the surroundings in this one moment. I am here. I am interconnected, not separate from all around me. I am the mindful sloth. It is when I come home within myself that I open the space to realize even more the interconnectedness in the moment, and that everything around me is the product of life's experience until right now and permanently evolve, evolving. I need to slow down to take it all in, though it seems impossible to take in even an iota. Thich Nhat Hanh has an uh, analogy of walking as if each step is kissing the earth, each day taking in the moment of life fully to realize my spaciousness, experience, the attainment of my senses, interactions with nature, my presence among civilization." There's actually a comic on the fridge I put up there that was in the newspaper of Kissing the Earth. Um, certain, certain environments and situations can make this easier than others, and can be refuge to recharge. Nature has a way of bringing me back to my true home, my true nature. A hike in the woods or paddling a river where the background noise of town that distracts the mind is left behind, replaced by the harmonies of nature. Sitting here in the sangha especially retreats offer refuge. And actually distracting noises, like the occasional phone or a motorcycle going by, uh, actually distract the noises in my mind bringing me back to mindful concentration. I also find early in the morning a wonderful time to sit, with more quiet than the background hum later in the day. The more I practice, the more I can carry my mindfulness with me wherever I go during the day. I find that the more mindful I am throughout the day, the more synchronicities I encounter. These synchronicities remind me that I am on the right path, as well as having the opportunity to act in some way toward them. When I am not, I am usually in a hurry and moving too fast. I am certainly unmindful when running late going from point A to point B, and in my mind I am already at point B. I am not enjoying the moment, and every obstacle keeping me from point B is an annoyance. This is a big reminder to slow down. If anybody ever tells you to hurry up, tell them to slow down. It's not your fault. They're in a hurry. Currently, I found direction for using my analytical mind once again through the lens of permaculture. This is an ecological approach to meeting human needs while observing the interconnection of nature. There are also a set of ethics in permaculture that consider the reverence of life, the phrase in this training I most resonate with. These three ethics can be described simply as care of the earth, meeting people's needs, and sharing the surplus. A lens suggesting that we are stewards of the planet and should care for it and each other. What got me here are my own views and beliefs. However, someone else may see things a different way, for example, that the planet was made for us to use and exploit as we wish. In the nature of non-attachment to views, I am reminded not to take a stance as my way of being the remedy one should follow, that I am not a contender nor trying to influence you when I want to share these views. My views and beliefs are established by my experiences through life until now. This, is obvious, this will obviously appear different for each of us and is where each of us carries a unique perspective. Interconnection shows that things may have different appearances but are of the same essence. One example is the wave and the water. There are many different waves, but they are all water. We all look at the world as we perceive it, not necessarily as it is. When you and I look at a bird, the bird appears differently to each of us, though the bird is still what it is. Each of our views is the appearance, and the bird is its own essence that doesn't change just because it appears different to each of us. Consider the phrase, a means to an end. The means being these views and beliefs etched within us. That is the appearance we see. We all most likely have some sort of idea of what we basically want in the end. The end being our needs and desires or the essence. Mutual happiness, security, love, peace, and inclusiveness are more than likely some of them. When different individuals, groups, etc. clash because of their different beliefs as a path toward what may be a common bliss, conflict appears in the means of achieving this similar end. Suffering occurs whether one is oppressed or the oppressor. As long as others feel inequality and injustice, violence will occur. In the news we see as of lately, and here, is filled with irritating tones of anger, blame, and outright dismissal of the other side. The message delivered being the loudest and angriest one wins, mixed with a dualistic my way or the wrong way, or a zero balance. What isn't so obvious is that this invokes a collective behavior of similar patterns of conduct into our Interactions with each other at all levels, including within our minds. A realization of inner being, that we are all interconnected, negates the concept of us and them. But it is nearly impossible to do so when the mind is unsettled and flooded with misconceptions and even untruths. The mind is not calm enough to concentrate on understanding. If I am defensive, I'm only thinking of my own preservation, not yours, or better yet, not ours. However, both sides need to be willing and open to considering the other without blatant dismissal or just listening. So I would like to end with a quote by Malala Yousafzai, and she's the Pakistani Nobel Peace Prize laureate, Uh, she's an activist for education for women, and she quotes, I raise my voice not so that I can shout, but so those without a voice can be heard.